1: Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross.
0: And welcome to another episode of Business and Heels podcast and I have two very special guests who are going to introduce themselves in a moment and also we're going to have a very interesting topic today about some awards. So um, stick around and let's first get Lisa to introduce herself. Lisa, the floor is yours. Tell us a little bit about who you are and your role in Business and Heels hi
1: amory it's so great to be on the show again um i'm the ceo of business and heels for those of you that haven't met me i've been kicking around um helping business and heels grow over the last eight years and it's been my absolute pleasure to um sit and chat with so many women and I think it's a, it's really a privilege that um, you get to run a business like this which has got so much purpose and so what we love to do is to empower both business and professional women and we love to help see them succeed and we help them through mentoring, education, connections and marketing and so I often call myself the Chief Chatting Officer because I get to spend most of my life chatting to people. <laughs>
0: And it's wonderful, isn't it? Because... uh, right across Australia and of course, around the world now too, you're having a lot of those conversations. And it's interesting that it doesn't matter which country you're from, there's always a similarity, isn't there, in the challenges that are faced and in in the topic that we're gonna talk about in a moment, which is of course, um, gender equity. Kirsten, the lady behind a lot of the tech who keeps everybody sane, especially during our online amazing summits. Please share a little bit more about what you do behind the scenes and, and of course, um, it with uh, our wonderful members as well. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Great also to be here with you and Lisa today. So
2: um, I'm the operations manager, so I do sit in the background, but I'm a bit like Lisa. I love to get out and have a chat and I speak to all sorts of women. Diversity um, happens, but, you know, that whole comment you just made about you know it doesn't matter where we are the conversations that we have the similarities that i hear you know i was running a um, a virtual coffee connections the other evening and we had somebody join us from jersey in the channel islands between the uk and france and you know the same issues are happening no matter where these women are in the world so You know, this lady was able to sit and talk with a group of other women who were from Australia and also across Asia, Um, all the same problems in business.
0: Yes. Just, you know,
2: the messaging still continues to be
0: the same. Yes, mm. what I love about having conversations like that and being able to share around the world and have these wonderful women connect is often we sit in our own silos, don't we? And We think I'm really the only one who was struggling with this. And often we can be a little bit embarrassed, a little bit ashamed that maybe, and it doesn't matter what level I, of um, where you are at, whether you're the CEO, the COO, whether you're still working your way up, there is always a little bit of that hesitation. Do I know enough am I enough all of that and I think we can all relate to that. So let's then dive in. Thank you for sharing a little bit more about that because somewhere someone may not necessarily have heard about business and heels and what they stand for and really what they're trying to to bring forward as far as messaging and the impact in the world. but I'd love for you to spend a little bit of time maybe Lisa will go with you first the conversations that you've been having when it comes to gender equality, And particularly, why is Business and Heal so passionate about that? Do you want to share a little bit, please? Sure. Um, Gender equality is clearly very dear
1: to our hearts. And a big part of why we are um, and what our vision is, is all about gender equality. So we have a vision that we'll be creating an unlimited future for women. But the very fact that we have to have that vision means that at the moment women are limited. And we know that the gender pay gap sits at around 20%. Um, something percent and in many industries it's um, it's higher so we've been working on doing leadership summits for some time and part of the leadership summit discussion is you know how do more women get ahead into senior roles so at the moment within Australia it's something like a one in twenty one in five um, women are in or less than one in five are CEOs uh, about 25 to 40%, depending on the industry, uh, women in senior leadership. So how do, but at the beginning, it's 50%. So how is it that such small percentages keep getting through? And we know that in some cases, women are their own worst enemy. And, you know, so we do a lot of work encouraging, helping people feel more confident, giving them the tools to step up. But in some cases, it's systemic and they're roadblocks that they have to constantly push through within organisations. And that's exhausting. And quite frankly, in some cases, they the role models that they see in roles, they don't aspire to be like. So they prefer to step out and start a business rather than getting to the pointy end of some organisations. So, there's lots and lots of things happening around the marketplace and we all see all the stuff that we don't want to be. You know, we know we don't want to be in politics and have all the bullying and harassment that's been going on there. So we know what bad looks like. But what does good look like? And I guess it was um, in that discussion that kicked off, well, maybe we should find out what good look like looks like. Because if we knew what the roadmap was, wouldn't we want to do more of it? So that was a little bit of the flavour of um, the discussions that we started having.
0: Yes, I love that. And uh, Kirsten, I would love to talk to you a little bit about, uh, to expand on what Lisa has said, and that often we are, don't we, we are very aware of what we don't like and we're able to state that with quite a lot of emphasis because often for many of us we've experienced it or we hear about it through friends Mm. and colleagues who are in that workplace but then we don't often extend it to say well what do we like what are we wanting to achieve what do we want to have in the workplace and then take that a step further and say well how if it's not there being created, maybe it's up to me or a group of us to be able to step forward and and then do that. Now, what Lisa has just described, are you seeing that across other countries with the people that you've been networking, maybe from an international viewpoint as well as gender equality, something very much on the topic for discussion amongst them as well? What are you seeing?
2: Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, it's always that same thing. Unfortunately, you know quite often women undervalue themselves um you know whether that's through um you know trained behavior um you know the messaging that they hear at a social level um at home um you know it could be the culture within that particular country um you know it, it's and it's You know, it's hard to change those behaviors at times if all you're seeing is the same thing over and over again. Um, And, you know, to move, you know, to have enough courage to move outside of that sphere. It can be dangerous in some countries um, and and it's not a great thing to do. For others, the courage just may be lacking because it's just too much to overcome some of those problems. And so then, you know, organisations lose amazing people um, because they don't have the right cultures, they don't have the right value set. You know, are we testing for that when we're actually going through a recruitment process to bring the right people and the right fit into an organisation, you know, and quite often I hear, you know, people saying, oh, this is what I've been sold, um, but the reality of it when we actually get into an organisation can be very different to, to what was, you know, discussed at the HR level because once the rubber hits the road, um, profits, revenue, sales, you know, sometimes it's it's very difficult to say, well, okay, this is, this is the policies and the procedures and the culture and the values that we need to exhibit, but when times are tough, what's going to give. Sometimes it's this, um, you know, and so I, do, I don't think it matters where we are. Some countries are further ahead than others um, and some countries are totally lacking, um, you know, and I think there is, there has been a definitely a groundswell of conversation. Um, nice. But I do think, like Lisa says, it's around what are those positive role models, what are the behaviours that should be the right behaviours Um, But I think it's more a conversation that happens at the DNI level, you know, the diversity inclusion um, people, those people who are passionate about it, but I don't think it's a bigger societal conversation that happens
0: yeah I love the way that you've shared that and it's so true you know we don't often see what we don't see or hear but it's important for those of the people who do resonate is to not give up but rather surround themselves such as organizations as business in heels who do have role models who are connected to those role models who have often gone before and have started the conversation many years ago I mean this is not a new topic I can't believe we're still talking about this in (laughs) (laughs) The diversity it's like I mean I was in. In the career industry back in like just you know well over a decade ago and already we were talking about this but let me share a secret with you I've had many a conversation even with men they struggle with imposter syndrome as well every single one of them the difference is often they just do the job anyway and get it done and I love that you're encouraging and empowering women to just step out And then when they realise that, you know what, I really do have gifts and talents to be able to share uh, and impact and empower others. And I think we're now at a stage with what's happened around the world that people are going to be far more discerning with who they do business with, aren't they, Mm -hmm. from the complete supply chain. Are you looking after your team, your suppliers? Who are you? The character of the Mm -hmm. CEOs, the leaders. And guess who we need to go and ask? We can look at their team. What are their teams saying about them? What are their customers saying about them? What are their supply chains saying? Uh, And if they are lacking, well, guess what? We will go elsewhere because we've also learned and seen that the world is actually a small place. We can do business now. We can talk with people around the world in an instant. Um, We don't need to rely a lot on what we used to, like the media channels and so forth. We can go right to the source and find out the truth and what's actually happening. So uh, there's a lot of exciting opportunities uh, ahead as well. So we've got this wonderful award and I'm assuming now you want to go out and you want to highlight the businesses, the companies who are doing all of the things that you've said, Lisa, is important when it comes to um, the equity, the diversity and embracing whatever that looks like. Share a little bit about the award in and of itself. And then we're going to talk about, you know, who can enter, how do they enter all of those things, but share a little bit more about the award itself.
1: Yes, yeah, so the awards we decided needed to be in categories so that we could isolate the different industries. We know from um the leadership summits that we do that many of the industries have very different challenges and you you have different organizations and we see it all the time where women flourish and they're getting through to senior leadership levels they're on the board they're part of decision making and and the profits are really good the business case for having women at every level from a profitability point of view is published on the wajia site And it's irrefutable that having women at all level is good for business, and yet it still doesn't happen. And so, you know, we want to understand what are the key factors that have to happen in an organisation to make women, to allow women to flourish, and what are the key behaviours and differences? Is it certain policies? Is it the actions of the CEO? Is it the actions of a great leader? Or is it the actions of the employees forcing the change and bubbling it up? What are the key things that make a difference? Because if we knew that, then we'd all do more of the good stuff and leave the bad things behind, right? It's very simplistic, but let's find out what that is. And so at the moment we've got organisations like the government, which is amazing, and every organisation with 100 employees or more goes through that and they complete a survey and they need to get to a certain level, and many of them are working on the gender pay gap. But of the ones that identified that they've got a gender pay gap, they're still, and they're working on it, 40% are working on it, so 60% are not. but of that, we still haven't shifted the numbers at all. So what's happening in the in those few organisations where they are working on it and they are shifting the numbers versus all those that aren't? And so part of the process behind this is to try and find those few key behaviours that are making an awful difference, awesome yes. difference, that we can actually then share out with other people. Yes, so, That's what we're hoping will come out of it and we'll discover all sorts of little light bulb moments like, you know, let's talk about parental leave rather than maternity or paternity leave. Maybe that's making a difference as to whether men are adopting it as well as women. Mm. Um, We don't know the
0: answers yet. So part of it, this is a a fact-finding mission for us. Yeah, research as well. What I love about that and what you're saying, Lisa, and um, Kirsten, we bring you into the conversation too there's a number of different things that i've read and heard over the last number of years being spoken about and i'm not sure if you heard of the edelman trust barometer and every year they go out and on a global scale they interview various leaders and so forth and individuals key decision makers what constitutes the building of trust now as you can imagine government and media sit quite low they're very mistrusting unfortunately maybe they need to tap into to the learnings of what's coming out of this findings because they need to adopt much better. But one of the things, Kirsten, that was very apparent was that key decision-makers, and we're all decision-makers in our consumer, you know, do I want to go with that company, this company and so forth, one of the things that constituted and they actually expected it more of because so many industries such as politics and media were dis- were not trusted, they expected businesses, corporations employers to be more trustworthy you know what are you contributing to who are you what's your core mm-hmm. value what does your company stand for so as consumers they you know the, the feedback was we do expect CEOs and companies shareholder you know, the shareholders also we expected it uh, the boards to be more transparent and obviously honest, integral and so forth in in their dealings. And it sounds, Kirsten, that this is the kind of thing that you really want to tap into. You want to take a finger on the pulse to see what's important, what constitutes that, what do we need to have in place so that we can close the gap, yes? I I think it's that. Um, I
2: think um, ESG, um, from an investment point of view, you know, the wording used to be corporate social responsibility. It still exists. Um, but there's um, you know the the new ESG requirements oh, you know they've been around for quite some time. Um, so environmental sustainability and governance that is really driving a lot more um, from a, a you know an executive team, Um, perspective, because, you know, we've really got to be able to answer to those at an executive level, um, because that's determining where capital funding is coming from, you know, who is actually going to want to do business with you, you know, from a government entity standpoint, um, more and more governments right around the world are actually stipulating requirements at a supply chain perspective. So you need to meet certain requirements before they will actually do business with you at a tender level. Or um, So I think, you know, there's a number of different things that are driving the change. Um, but, you know, as you said, we would have thought that we would have seen significant movement and I, I'm wondering sometimes and I, I'm hoping to see this information, whether it's somebody just making a decision and going, get on with it, make the pay change happen. I mean, yes. I came from a background where I sat within a pay band. We all got the same pay if we were doing the same job. Um, you know, obviously things happened, you know, especially here in Australia and we had, um, you know, a different work Place regime happen. Um, it's all individual, you know, negotiated contracts. Um, but the pay band system worked, and there wasn't a pay gap issue because we we're all on the same pay band. If you were doing that role, there was no difference between um, genders. So, you know, maybe some, maybe we have to look backwards and go, Hey, did this work? Do we still need to do it? You know, um, and I think in some respects, having individual contracts can be quite costly. To an organization and having to manage them whereas if you've got a very clear um processable system the operational manager is coming out in me obviously from this perspective it's easier to manage in an organization when you've got a large amount of staff members that you need to manage yeah. um, so i think you know maybe it's maybe it's about the willingness to make this change but i'm i'm you know i don't have all the answers like many people um so i'm very interested to hear what other people are doing and how do we help advertise that?
0: Yes. So what then is the process, Lisa? Um, Because obviously what it sounds like, you want to do research, you want to find out exactly, you know, what what does the good look like? What what is the framework that we want to start to um, espouse and get out there and say, look, when these things are in place, productivity is higher, performance is higher, profitability is higher, the team gets on well, there's diversity across um, the, the workforce and it's working well. Together. So, what's the process? Who can enter? Tell us all of those kind of things which we need to know. Sure. So, um, it's open for
1: both organizations and individuals. And so, we've separated organizations into enterprise level, which is 500 and up, and those below 500. And then we've also got a category for SMEs. And so, the idea is to have a look at the different industries, the different size of organization. We appreciate that at the bigger level at enterprise level they've got a lot more resources to build policies and procedures and things and you would expect as that sort of thing to happen so the surveys have been designed um, fitting in with the WGIA framework which most people are operating to it is the standard within the Australian market that um, they can answer pretty easily so for most people that um, who's involved in diversity and inclusion they would be submitting a report to the WGIA right now, to say where their organization's up to. The survey takes eight minutes. It's really easy to do. Um, and people can then highlight what they're doing over and above the general marketplace. Then we've also got ones for individuals and individuals in lots of different roles. So we wanted to see what the difference was, you know, for a great employee versus a sales manager or a CEO. Because quite often what we hear in the marketplace is all around what the CEOs are doing as opposed to, you know, maybe somebody who's a great sales leader is doing something and maybe there's different. Um, behaviours and activities that can be done in different job roles. So individuals must be nominated. Again, it's a really easy process. It takes three minutes for someone to nominate somebody else. And then we get in contact with the person that's been nominated and they get the opportunity to put forward um, some some additional information that um, we can then use to judge them we have 20 judges that are involved and they're a very diverse bunch and so at the moment we are um, not all of them are published yet but we've got 10 women and 10 men from very diverse backgrounds but all who are really passionate to see this uh, improve because I don't think anybody wants to wait to 2130 or whatever the date is slated. In fact, someone came back to me and said, Lisa, you've made a mistake about that. It's meant to be 2030. And I said, No, no, I haven't made any mistake. That's when we think we'll really have gender equality. <laughs> and
0: so, yeah. That's that's, one thing, isn't it, what you think about. uh, And thank you for sharing that. And, and Kirsten, I'll get you to share the the link in a moment, what the link is to find out more information. We'll put it up on the screen as as well. You know, Lisa, that's one of the benefits, I think, of smaller organisations or organisations who recognise the value of not just talking about something and having, you know, group after group after group analysing something to the point where you're analysing what someone was analysing, you know, 10 years ago, (laughs) but actually getting into action and not just just talking about things. So it's kind of like, we're going to have this going in the next few years. I mean, 2030 is such a, a long way. And that's the beautiful thing, I think, about organisations who are quite dynamic and agile. And if the last two years haven't taught us, there's always a silver lining, isn't there? And uh, I always believe that what's sent, often what's sent out to destroy us can actually make us far stronger. So we have become far more agile, far more uh, able to recognise certain patterns and be able to respond in the best way forward. So it sounds like this is going to continue on and bubble along and and really get into uh, action there. So, Kirsten, what is the way that people can find out a little bit more? And I'm also going to pop the banner up here as well while you're sharing that.
2: So the best way people can find out more um, is to go to the website genderequityawards.com.au, Um, All of the information around the awards is on that particular website. They will also be able to um, submit their surveys from there. They can find out more about those judges where they have um, been made public, um, so they can actually see who is judging um, these awards. There's quite a lot of information on there. They can also reach out to us as well and ask any specific questions if they do have them. Um, So Lisa and I are always able to have a conversation and, you know, just chat through through the the specifics of it, if they have any questions. Um, But the majority of the information that um, most people, I think, would need is on the genderequityawards.com.au
0: website. Yeah, fantastic. And it almost sounds, and and maybe this is one of the reasons, it almost sounds like it's a real movement that's beginning, isn't it, of organisations, individuals who are really passionate about seeing change, not just be spoken about, and not just being a certain group of people um, who are sharing this and talking about this, and then never anything much being done. And then, you know, getting to 20, whatever, 50, 40, whatever, that then saying, hey, we're one step closer, whereas let's just make the change that is needed. And to make the change, we often have to be the change. So Lisa, what would you say then, is to an organization or someone who's part of an organization or an individual who is passionate about it. I mean, get on board. I mean, there are so many advantages not just for your individual, for your organization, but for the many women and, of course, men too, because I think we need both not just one, but both to work together to be the difference in the world. What would you say to inspire and empower people to step up and become part of this so that they can contribute to this knowledge base that you're creating?
1: Look, I think having a workplace where everyone feels equal and equally valued is really important. We know it's the way of the future and at the moment if there's one war, it's for talent. And so for organisations to progress at the moment, they need to have talent and be attracting talent. So this is your chance to uh, showcase some of your team that are doing extraordinary things and making a real difference. It's an ability to showcase your organisation if you're one of the ones that is making great change, you know, step up and tell us all about it. It's an easy process to enter. And if you become one of the finalists, there'll be a fab- fabulous awards night on the 17th of August down at the Crown Casino. So it's gonna be a great night um, and there will be one final winner of the best individual and the best organization. So to date, There's been lots of organisations that have been hailed with certain citation levels. So we're getting people up to a level. We've never said what really great looks like. And wouldn't it be great to be able to go out into the marketplace and say, hey, you know, we've been recognised as the best organisation for gender equity you know, wouldn't you want to have people coming and flocking to work for you? So I think that's what people could look forward to. And we've already got a huge amount of support from a whole lot of online media as well as the Fin Review and the Australian who all want to hear these stories. You know, people want to know what's the case study look like? What does good look like? Tell us more about it. So
0: you'll be able to hear all of that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So we've got the link there, genderequityawards.com.au. Kisten, from the sounds of it, not only will they be contributing to um, uh, the as the collective really being able to, you know, determine what does quantify and qualify what good and better looks like, what great looks like, as Lisa said. It's a wonderful opportunity to showcase the winners, the business, but also, to even the contributors, the people who put forward their awards from the sounds of it, the judges that are, um, that are being part of this, to have your company go through and be recognised and just the conversations, I think, is going to be amazing. What are some last words as we finish up that you would like to, to say just to, to round this all off? as we finish today's show? Well, I think I think the really important thing is that we live in such
2: a diverse society here in Australia. Um, and at times, our organisations don't necessarily represent the groups um, of or society that's actually purchasing their products and services. We want to be able to see that. Um, And if you're an organisation that is actually wanting to get closer, you know, you talked about the trust barometer. Um, This is about building trust with those people that you're wanting to do business with. If your um, organisation reflects who you're doing business with, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing because buyers are savvy, They know what's going on in the world Um, and they're asking more and more questions around things like ESG, uh, where does my super money go, where is it being invested, Um, who is doing business with me, and I think that's going to happen more and more and Lisa spoke about the war on talent, our own employees are asking more questions they're wanting more from our leaders. It's not just, hey, I want to go to work, and it's a trendy place, and it's got this, and it's got a coffee machine. It's about what is the environment like, what do I, you know, who are the people I'm working with. Um, more and more people are asking those questions, so I, I think this can
0: only be a good thing if we can showcase what does great look like. Yeah. I love that. And, of course, we've got the uh, website there, genderequityawards.com.au to find out more about what's entailed. As Lisa said, the application process, the expression of interest is very um, concise, so it's not going to take long at all. Fill the details in or recommend someone, put someone's name down. And of course, one of the Business and Heals team will be in touch. I just look forward to hearing more about what the outcomes are, yeah. the conversations that will be able to be had from this and the impact, not only for the organizations that submit their award applications and of course get featured by the sounds of it across the, the whole of Business and Heals, but even further from you know, the wonderful organizations that are waiting for a lot of this feedback and then the impact that comes out of that and imagine the many lives that are going to be impacted you know consumers employer and employees i should say and uh, the community at large so you're always you guys are always up to something really interesting so uh, this of course is just just another one of those wonderful projects that business and heels uh, is championing so Thank you so much for coming on your show and and sharing more about um, the Gender Equity Awards and how we can all get involved. Thanks, Anne-Marie, for having us. Thanks.